We always think about AI in big scary terms, the transforming robot out to kill John Connor, or Neo running from hundreds of thousands of replicating bots out to kill him, or humanity in general. That's probably a little fantastical, although I'm a little pessimistic about this, so I can see the apparent signs of that happening already. But the things that we really need to be cognizant are, are far smaller and seemingly innocuous. Consider the algorithms that cause the following platforms to remove decisions from us. Just note not all of these are negative, but may have negative consequences. Facebook has introduced us to people we might not have met before in traditional circumstances. This has created an ease of conversation in those spaces which is not usually available in real life, especially with growing social unease. Spotify suggests what I should listen to next, it's not me making that decision. Tinder, the closest, cutest person wins. Uber Eats, did you like that pizza? Try the margarita from Nero's this week. These are some examples of small decisions that are no longer exclusively ours, but are shared with AI. This week on In, which you can follow on Instagram at thisisin underscore underscore, I speak to the manager of a hotel in Hart Bay, which is entirely automated. A designer tells how he designs in collaboration with AI, and we'll hear from a woman whose relationship with her AI is like family. But before we get to that, in this part I talk with Alex Komnenos, who is an AI researcher focused on AI readiness in Africa. He's a thoughtful AI academic with a fascinating view into where it's going both globally and in the African context. I was extremely lucky to record with him as he was on his way to Kenya, so the sound is not as good as it should be. And you'll also hear some weirdness when he introduces himself. Basically, he has such a long introduction to what he does that we had to re-record it because he forgot. All right, enough from me. Let's hear from Alex. All right, Alex, why don't you tell us uh, who you are and a bit about yourself? Okay, I shall do. I don't have the mic on, but oh, there it's done. Okay, super. The other thing was a testing thing. <laughs> I'm Alex Komnenos. I'm a researcher at Research ICT Africa. I focus on artificial intelligence uh, in the African continent and the effects of artificial intelligence in Africa. Uh, I also focus on ICT policy and regulation and I'm working with the regional academic network on IT policy and we've got researchers from Zimbabwe, Uganda, Nigeria and South Africa looking at artificial intelligence in Africa through the lens of ethics, gender, biometrics, and readiness for AI. Um, and at, yeah, I also focus more broadly on ICT policy and regulation, and the internet and human rights. Uh, and I am learning about and researching about artificial intelligence with a, the regional academic network of IT platforms. So oh my god. Oh my god, Alex. Jeez, bro. What is ICT policy? What is ICT? Okay, stop. Uh, ICT, <laughs> um, ICT are information and communication technologies. So um, it's funny because you would hear the word in like a English public school curriculum or you'd hear it in a policy environment, but you wouldn't hear it necessarily in the startup space or in the IT space. But I, ICT is, 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 is the IT with the C. Which oh, is okay. so okay. any information and communication technology we have in this room, tons of them, your cell phone, server racks. There's also old ICTs like a analog television and new ICTs. So when we, when we think about um, AI, and in particular in context with this, with this chat that we're having, I'm looking at how AI is almost removing a lot of the big decisions that we make um, in, uh, in daily life. Um, that can be anything from, you know, what to eat when you have Uber Eats that's kind of suggesting things for you to eat or Spotify that's telling you what 
songs you should be listening to uh, rather than going to the CD store? Are there other things that come to mind when you think about decisions that are being taken away from us? Yeah, I think you've pointed it out very well. AI is a ubiquitous. Um, mm. And it shapes the way we consume media, the way we network with people, uh, the way we see the world, um, and it's kind of integrated into everything. Um, the second part of that question, I've forgotten now. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I've forgotten it as well. Yeah. Um, well, you actually, you actually answered it, but um, uh, yeah. So AI, yeah, AI is, is ubiquitous, um, and it very much shapes the way we live. Um, but AI also means a, a ton of things. Um, but you, you, you pointed to the automation. And well, I was trying to automation and, and, and removing decisions. Yeah. 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 So even Tinder. Yeah. Uh, well, it removes the decision that you would have in a bar. Well, you or, might, uh, you know, instead of using Tinder, you would go to a bar yeah, and yeah. you would see one or two people and you go, oh, she or he looked quite attractive. Yeah. Uh, or anybody else non-binary, of course. Um, but when you've got Tinder, you have any number of people who they're th throwing at you to choose from and you have like endless choice so you don't make decisions so uh, I mean it almost prevents decisions from being made when you've got so many choices given to you by AI. Oh yeah you have an automated decision made for you which presents an ethical dilemma um, yeah and you also. What's the ethical dilemma? Uh, well what if this decision significantly affects your life? What if the algorithm that's measured the biometrics of your face or whatever and compared it to this woman has resulted in this woman or man or non-binary person, but usually a man, murdering a woman, which is unfortunately the case with dating. So what if you go on Tinder and you get murdered? Wow. And so mm -hmm. there was an algorithm that made a decision there. Yeah, that and, this and person is for yeah. you. You said, okay, cool, they're cool. Let me check them out and the next thing things less good are happening. Yeah, and this doesn't have to relate to AI, but there's an increasing amount of automated decisions hmm. in selecting our choices in life and in governance. So yeah, there's a big ethical dilemma and uh, that introduces a liability dilemma, obviously, and legal issues, and there's, yeah, some thinking about regulations uh, around the world, especially in Europe, and in, in how to deal with that, but we're still as a society really trying to unpack the ethics of AI and the automated decisions. Well, I suppose it must be incredibly difficult to work out, you know, things like um, Cambridge Analytica has brought to stark light how little we can actually trust people that have co control over our information and um, what they do with our information. And there's no reason for us to believe that anybody designing AI has the best intentions at heart for humanity or for humans, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean Cambridge... It's more of a statement, hey? That's, that's definitely the case. In Cambridge Analytica, yeah, they used AI, but they also just used access to the Facebook API, which mm. started off as open to the public, like, you know, when is it, 2007 when Facebook came out, and it slowly, slowly closed off to those with access to it. Um, but I can still run ads on, on, on Facebook and I can target them towards people living in Woodstock earning a certain amount of money. Mm. I can target them towards members of a group. That could be a group that I know about or I'm in with another account. And yeah, so 
yeah, if I wanted to gaslight my friends or <laughs> um, manipulate people, I could do that. Um, just as a normal person, just a normal everyday person. Yeah, and this was done in the in the Labour Party. This was done to Jeremy Corbyn, um, not by like elite hackers or people who hired Cambridge Analytica. Maybe they hired some experts, but basically they were just targeting Facebook ads uh, at people that were members of a pro Corbyn group, and it was mainly directed at Corbyn uh, having the potential of consuming disinformation. Oh, seeing what uh, what he would do with mis with wrong information, misinformation. Yeah, because ads were promoted on his timeline because he was identified as Jeremy Corbyn. Wow! By the fact that if you target the Facebook group, Facebook group that he's a member of, he will obviously yeah. can, uh, be exposed to it. So Cambridge Analytica is deep, and yeah, it's an AI issue as well because there's so much AI in Facebook. And we can get to the other issues about AI and Facebook. Mm. And yeah, but manipulation is, is a big uh, part of um, the problem and polarization of people and filter bubbles, etc. Um, uh, there's something else that I'm interested in is, you know, if we think about AI, we think about it in really science fiction terms. You know, you think about Terminator and uh, this crazy robot that's going to go around and it's controlled by a, uh, an evil organization which is telling it, well, it itself is out to kill humans. Um, and when you think about, but when you think about AI now, AI is literally, it's software now. It's not, well, of course it's always software, but it's not that big scary monster that's coming out to shoot you. It's the big scary monster in your software that's out to destroy you. So do you think, um, do you think like Skynet exists? And if it doesn't exist, do you think we can stop its inevitable attack? Uh, AI is essentially an idea that humans have about the relationship with themselves and technology. Um, and AI has been around as a practice for 60 years. It's been around as an idea in literature and automation has been around for few hundred years before that so we tend to think of like the skynets and the science fiction threats um, most threats are a little bit more hard to see or boring for some fascinating for others um, but the increasing amount of automated decision-making that affects our lives um, is the main threat. So science fiction AI is what's called general artificial intelligence. General artificial intelligence uh, was defined in comparison to weak artificial intelligence by John Searle um, in the, I think, 80s. Um, so a general artificial intelligence can think like a human being whereas uh, narrow artificial intelligence can do tasks generally associated with human intelligence or do tasks that require human intelligence um, but, but, and, and they can learn but they can't you can't have a thinking being we're tending towards general AI and one day it may exist I, I doubt so it so general is an all-encompassing AI that knows it's something that is, would be intelligent like you or me. 
like you would see that um, they've got a few robots that come on television and talk, and they are AIs. There's the one lady, I think, from a Gulf country. Um, and But she uh, still, I think she's got natural language processing. She's got some um, deep learning embedded in her. She's got also some programmatic responses, like if asked this, then respond like that. Rules, uh, the first artificial intelligence and like, when they were thinking about it in the 60s and stuff, it was about rules. Hmm. Um, so if this information comes in, you would do this and you have a... Which is also how we operate as human beings to an extent. We have a body of knowledge and we act upon it. Um, the newer artificial intelligence seems to about is about machines learning. And there you have machine learning. So machine learning is um, similar to statistics. It's got... Uh, you know, algorithms, I'm not a mathematical person, and uh, algorithm, algorithms can be a complex concept, but just formulas and statistical formulas, and information is, uh, and advanced algorithms, information is fed in as data, um, and then the machine can learn from that data to identify certain things, or know when to perform certain tasks, um, and that data still has to be structured by a human being. So, and then you have deep learning where the artificial intelligence is, is able to, to learn with a bit less structuring of the data by human beings uh, and to learn from more abstract data. So, but it, the, the, the issues that are going to affect us are attributes of the systems and attributes of the humans that operate the systems and then how the systems are managed and governed because the big issue is bias. So as a society here, maybe in the US, people are biased towards uh, black people as potential um, uh, committers of crime, whether that be true or not. And um, if, if, if the machine learning system is going to learn off the data sets of a racist police force, um, and then secondly, uh, yeah, it, it could, uh, these racist biases could be embedded in the machines, um, and society would, would tend to look at machines as, as something neutral, whereas it, it totally would not be, so that's a huge mm. danger. And then some of the, yeah, bias as well, just in terms of the amount of data, so say, the data about facial recognition is coming from Western apps or because there's more lighter-skinned people a couple of years ago, not now, that would use the internet or Facebook. Uh, they have more data on that. And, and if, if, if black people are misidentified because of the lack of data there, then that can also be a problem. There's been that Apple Watch issue where it can't measure the pulse of a black person on one of the first models of the Apple Watches as well as a white person. So there's bias. Um, there's uh, transparency issues. So as I mentioned earlier, what if someone is murdered because they're on a dating app? What if a um, self-driving car kills someone? Then you have to establish in, in most uh, law situations and most courts so who's liable for for that um, so in order to establish who's liable um, there would have to be an explainability of the algorithm 
um, who designed the algorithm, why was it built, what data does it have, etc. Yes. What are the rules implanted in the data to prevent it from doing certain things? Yeah, exactly. Except your problem is it's quite hard to even explain why a dumb machine has made a mistake. Hmm. Like your MacBook only has a little bit of AI in it, but uh, it would be quite hard to explain a bug. And then add um, machine learning and deep learning, they, re they write their own algorithms as they learn because they form associations. A human being has to rationally look at it and say, why did that association occur? But they basically write their own algorithms. So there's a lack of explainability and then the, I think it's, it's perfectly possible to establish such transparency in an ideal world, but another problem is um, how private property and capitalism works. So obviously in AI there's a hell of a lot of open source and everybody sees its benefit in the private sector, um, but people would still want their AI to perhaps be proprietary or how they've spun it up. The algorithms might be open. so. People might not want to share. Uh, yeah, you would have to know how the machine works. I suppose like, you can also e even look at it from uh, when you're talking about it from that perspective. The if you think about the, uh, the intellectual property of like pharmaceutical companies that they won't give out their uh, chemical formulas that cure whatever uh, because they own that that intellectual property. So it'll be interesting when companies design AI that can heal you or that can fix something of yours. Mm. Like, actually, no, you have to pay X amount of money to gain access to what should be a right, essentially. Sometimes, like the right to health or the right to education. But this AI won't allow this for the reason. Uh, anyway, that was all nonsense from my perspective. But um, you are interested in Africa, right? And Africa's readiness for... AI. Um, can you tell me a bit about that? Well, yeah, readiness for AI is a new concept that's been introduced uh, first by, I guess, consultancy type or research type people in the corporate sector that are advising people how to use AI and be ready for something. Technological readiness is not a new discourse. We've had e-readiness before, technological readiness, e-government readiness. Um, so, e-readiness has a number of aspects. Um, there's even an e-readiness index now. If you go to oxfordinsights.com, what they've done is they've compiled a bunch of sources of information and indicators and sub-indicators from other technological indices to decide what would make a country ready to, benefic to, be, uh, to benefit from AI. I would say from a development perspective, um, the readiness for AI would very much involve the readiness for ICTs. So we need infrastructure, we need cheap uh, access to the internet and we need high quality access to the internet. Um, in some of these regards many African countries are overtaking South Africa um, and th so those infrastructure issues are important. Um, you, there's also virtual infrastructures uh, so, I mean, there's also, yeah, technological infrastructure, so you would need servers and databases and uh, a strength opportunity and weakness is the cloud as well because you can have those infrastructures virtualized and scalable and you pay as you go. So I want to make an AI and it's only requiring one processor, that's fine. If at midnight, when the computing cost is cheap, it requires 64 processors, 
and I can pay for it pay as you go. I can use Amazon Web Services, I can use uh, Google Azure, uh, Google, uh, Google Cloud Project and Microsoft Azure um, for AI in the cloud. I can do AI in my laptop. Um, and yeah, Azure is the best because they have data centers here. Um, and so there's infrastructural issues and there's different aspects of the infrastructure. Electricity and roads, uh, that's needed. So people need to get to work. Um, I, I don't uh, want to drive a car anymore, so I'm trying to be a pedestrian. Um, while being a researcher, I have to walk around with a laptop, and it's a challenge. But many people have to bust themselves in for an hour or two a day. Um, so there are those infrastructural issues. Then there's skills, um, and there is the need for new skills for what people are calling the fourth industrial revolution and there's a um, government initiative to train some people this year young people out of high school and the skills that would be needed for the fourth industrial revolution and that's including web development uh, graphic design uh, programming um, devops and um, yeah feels like we're a little bit behind like this these are kind of initiatives that have been going on in India since, what, the 90s? Uh, I'm not sure about the initiatives in India, but uh, the South African initiative, I think the idea is good, and some of those relate to the AI ecosystem, especially learning DevOps and coding. Um, so, but there's the new AI skills, and there's a, you, the, 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 the skilledness of the AI labor force goes from... Uh, the people who helped structure the training data for the machines. Hmm. So uh, somebody will be told what a polyp in a organ looks like and they will sit there for a very low wage in India and they'll circle the polyp and then the data will go into the AI. And then, so, so, so the, uh, yeah, the, there's that type of labor. Um, uh, and skills, it's, it's still a skill that requires computer literacy. Then you have your IT skills that you need. So there's huge demand for IT skills and cloud everywhere, even in, in, in uh, developed countries. Um, and then I think what's also very important is we tend to get caught up in the trend, but science and maths and social sciences and just like traditional education and primary school uh, is also very important um, because, yeah, pure science for the sake of it is, is what births things like AI. So... I don't care about the stars. I really don't. But the square kilometer array in South Africa is possibly one of the most, like, biggest high-resolution um, sized data sets in existence. And the researchers and academics at the universities and their research assistants and students that are working on that data are going to have the skills for AI and... Uh, fourth industrial revolution. So there's AI readiness there, and I would say that's the developmental aspect. The last part, and I think we all know this, is automation threatens jobs. So the pick and pay down the road now, recently they have scanners, so there's a lot less cashiers. Uh, yeah, my grandmother was a cashier at Checkers. It's a good hmm. job. There's people watching the cashiers, and there's people making the system so it will create new jobs but we have to be careful about that finally then there's like the ethical and policy readiness for AI which yeah 
Apparently. Which is a whole much longer conversation, I would imagine. Yeah, well, perhaps it's the ne- next theme we can go on to, <laughs> and um, we have, we've discussed the, the, the ethical readiness, but so um, important to AI readiness is, is data protection. So uh, data protection enables you to roll out AI without, uh, reaching, pe- without reaching people's personal right to privacy and control over their data, and, and when you have laws and it's clear on how that's done, and when those law, uh, then it's easier for innovation as well. Um, and when those laws are similar to, for example, Europe has kind of the strongest and best framework for data protection at the moment, and a lot of stuff about automated decision making, uh, when there's um, compliance between these regular, or similarities between these uh, regulatory jurisdictions, then there's more cross-border de- flows of data and everybody benefits. So yeah, the policy environment has got to be in place. Uh, but that can also be your generic, IC- that can be your ICT policy environment. You can, you can build on that. We don't have to suddenly have an AI policy or AI ethics. There is a trend to do this now and it's important. Um, but yeah, AI readiness is a research interest of mine and I, at the moment don't know entirely what it is because it is so all-encompassing. What's, um, what about, what are the, in, the, in the near future, what are the exciting things that, uh, about AI? Well, things that excite you about AI in the near future? Um, I think medicine. So uh, I don't like Big Pharma and we talked about, you know, uh, uh, private, um, we talked about proprietary and copyright and stuff uh, before, but um, yeah, you can literally uh, the, the pharma companies they buy cheap computing power, you can buy them from like Amazon at certain times of the night when no one's using a certain data center and they crunch all the numbers they crunch a huge amount of numbers um, and then they just find medications through machine learning and not experimentation like like we used to, guess the machines experiment. So there's huge potential for developing better drugs. Um, AI is designing medicine. AI is designing medicine. Yes. Wow. And that power is also available to, to to us. I mean, we can maybe not afford as much compute power as 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 a big pharma has to throw into Amazon, but we could do put in ten percent of the compute power or something like that, and lasts a bit longer. Um, and then, yeah, so AI is designing medicine. AI is also learning to identify um, physical, anything that's graphic. Uh, you can recognize tumors and polyps uh-huh. and cancers. And well, so, speaking of job loss, I mean, then g- general g- GPs could be the next to lose a job. We're not only talking about a cashier. We're talking about a doctor, a GP who tells you that you got... I don't know, bronchitis or something, that an AI can quite easily do that uh, without a GP. Okay, I'll fish up the reference for you later, but um, <laughs> you still need someone who's a bit smarter than the AI. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I don't know, I've got WebMD, man. They've trained... Oh, I've got WebMD. I also don't <laughs> like going to a doctor. I know what's wrong with me, and, and there's two types of doctors. There's a doctor with wisdom. So I've got a good doctor, he's 80 years old, and, and he, 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 he's just generally wise about things, and then there's doctors that, that keep up with stuff, and you know, that Google it, or Google Scholar it, or I heard there's a paid access thing now, up to date, but yeah. So it's changed medicine in terms of the information available, 
Um, but yeah, uh, recognizing tumors and, 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 and these types of stuff is, uh, that's what AI can do, but you need someone smarter than the AI. Cause, uh, so they trained this neural network to recognize a tumor. Um, and there's some, like, yeah, when, when you cut it out and you take pictures of it, because you still don't know exactly if it's a tumor from the shape. Um, and there's the ruler that they put next to each tumor, some kind of medical ruler. And then it was detecting like the tumors perfectly 100%. Um, but it was actually that like the data of the tumors had the ruler in it. Uh, and it was, anyway. Oh, they, wow. They, wow. Uh, they, they, they trained a ruler detector. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a ruler. That is also a ruler. There's another ruler there. So, yeah, the, if the, uh, it's, I'm not a doctor. I'll, yeah, it's a funny story, but you would need someone with a s s more modicum of intelligence than the AI to say, maybe let's cut this open and double check or run test two. Um, so that's when AI, AI creates a more workforce. Maybe it's easier to be a doctor and then we have much more doctors. Mm. I'd like to be a doctor. I've Googled a lot of WebMD. <laughs> I could be a doctor. <laughs> um, have you seen the movie Her? No, I haven't. Okay, so the movie Her is about... Um, I highly recommend it, first of all. Um, it's with Joaquin Phoenix... And it's a movie about him falling in love with his iOS. Uh, well, it's not an iOS. It's his OS. It's the operating it's system. So, yeah. So, but it's in the near future where your, your OS is kind of in your head and you can uh -huh. engage with it. So, it's similar to Bixby, uh -huh. which is Samsung's new um, personal assistant. Yeah. Um, in which you, you engage with Bixby in a conversational manner. Yeah. And, and, and she, he does the same. Mm. Um, and her is about a guy falling in love with his with his operating system mm. because they're just having a chat and they're chatting mm. all day. Mm. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how that relationship with AI changes as well. I've I've had a few friends who've spoken to me about Bixby and they just say Bixby is the first person I speak to every day. That's a sentence that's been said to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, Bixby is literally non-existent. And that, and you, but, but people are saying this is a person that they're speaking to, which is super interesting, super scary, and I think is just another step into our isolationist ways. Yeah, I'll defend the introverts for a bit here. Go for it. I'm, I'm not anti-introverts. I'm an introvert uh, myself, despite... I, I saw some pictures recently of someone who'd compiled newspaper articles about stuff like newspapers making people antisocial uh, yeah. or, or, uh -huh. or, or, or the Walkman or um, uh, so yeah we tend to 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 retreat into technology what's very dangerous we've discussed is the filter bubble and how you're consuming information and what's targeted towards you mm -hmm. to the algorithm but go, go into that a bit about the, the filter bubble Okay, well, well oh, yeah, I was about to say the positive, but we'll do the filter bubble first. No, the filter bubble is, is that your, your, your news is detected. Your news is, 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 is shaped by what we call algorithms, um, and it does learning to a certain extent, and it gives you recommendations, and, and, and so YouTube um, has been, it's been demonstrated that YouTube can radicalize people and this is happening to a lot of young uh mainly white, white males and, 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 and sometimes 
for Chani, a Chani men, but it, not exclusively. But this is happening to a lot of young men for whatever reason, and it's and um, this mis it, yeah. So slowly, you recommended videos about misogyny. So and then then it becomes a right wing agenda, and then it, it just it, it it snowballs, and and so that so. That's so you have an information bubble that is put in front of you, which is, which can guide your who you are and how you believe about things according to what has been what has gone through the filter and what the filter has allowed you to see and what the filter has not allowed you to see. Yeah. Therefore shaping you. Yeah. Well, I think it started when Facebook was a bit more dumb and I, and you said I only want to follow my friends and that's why I went on Twitter. Because I like I want to listen to strangers, but then slowly um, they said, "Well, let's make the machines try learn what he would like," mm -hmm. and and then let's not forget that 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 these these companies all thrive on our data, but also our attention, our attention, and and advertising through that attention for revenue. So yeah. The, they do like to rile you up or get keep you, you involved. Into, into keep you involved, yeah. Mm. Uh, whether that's a bias from from the from the humans or the machines have learned it. So that's the I think the negative thing about falling in love with her, whoever she may be. We tend to always gender um, the AIs as a woman, and maybe that's a bit the masculine gaze has a bit of uh, explanation there. <laughs> um, uh, but you positive, yeah. There's a positive, so yeah. Um, there's also like these disaffected men are also violent, and there's this thing called like incel culture, and there's been, yeah, there, yeah. There, so so, gender-based violence, which has existed in the real world, is existing in the outside world, um, and uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Actually, I want to. I want to attract it. Okay. There's lonely people. It, just because you're lonely, it doesn't mean to make you. It doesn't mean to make you a violent person. And sometimes the people who aren't lonely are, are actually very violent. So I'll retract that. But there's lonely people in this world. And there's desperation. Old people are abandoned, increasingly in modern society. And so yeah, how how do we, if we can, give them some kind of companionship or intellectual stimulation or personalized information I think that's possible there's robots that have been AI robots that have been are being designed to take care of the elderly in Japan um, there's the big debate about sex robots um, which I think you gained yeah there's um, I saw recently there was a sex robot with AI installed in it so yeah. um, I hadn't seen that one before I'd only really seen the the you know the the silicone sex doll yeah. I've never ex experienced or experienced I haven't experienced that either, but I've never seen the one with the AI implanted as yeah. well that you can actually have a, a conversation with. Um, but you know, like speaking on the kinder side of things, you know that that could very well be uh, an outlet for people who do battle with with uh, human interaction and maybe it's some sort of a gateway into humans. Yeah, I mean there are AI apps for autistic children and there are AI apps to help children learn stuff and you know, as long as you, you, I guess it's important that you would know that the thing is not a real person because I don't think we're at artificial general intelligence and to know the dangers um, but yeah I, 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 it's all tied in with surveillance though because that would usually be the quid, quid pro quo 
Mm. And now, if we're talking about companions or sex dolls as well, it's tied in with the content. So, I have no problem with pornography, and, and, and I don't think it should be banned and, 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 and too tightly regulated. But, well, it should be regulated, uh, but I don't think it should be banned and, and these strict regulations on the internet about it. But the general average pornographic content is, is quite bad usually for men and is very misogynistic and has like shitty values. So is he falling in love with her? Who's, what is who, her? who designed the, who's her? Yeah, who, who designed her and yeah. what's the content there and what, what does he know? Has he read the terms and conditions? What's the privacy policy? Yeah. Um, so I want to move on just to, to you. Mm -hmm. um, Cyber Nyama? Yeah. We're going to go into what you're doing with Cybernyama, if it's still up and running, and uh, where people can find it and what it is. Oh, well, Cybernyama is my podcast, uh, cybernyama.net. Uh, Nyama is a Nguni language word for meat, and uh, yeah, we are all familiar with uh, Shisenyama, which is a braai, um, a barbecue. Um, so I thought Cybernyama is where meat space meets cyberspace. And meat space is the old hacker word for what we refer to as IRL in real life. I think AFK or AFP is more accurate uh, away from phone or away from keyboard. Because I don't know the distinction. But yeah, it was a cool way of seeing where, where real life intersects with, with um, the cyber world. Uh, Reply All is a great podcast that did what I tried to do. I tried to do it from an African perspective and podcasting is really fun, but I've been quite busy and I'm hoping to get it up and running. So thanks for asking. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, before we shut this down, final thoughts on AI uh, from your perspective. I, from my perspective, I, I think we need to unpack it. I think we need to be, so yeah, demystify it and to understand it. I think we need to be ready for it. Uh, I think we need to know like how it affects our rights in the offline world and the online world. And so we need to protect and stand up for those rights as well as have good policies and regulations. Um, we want to use it beneficially for development. We want to eliminate bias. And uh, yeah, lastly, but not least, we also want it to have like positively affect our personal lives and uh, use it. It's not hard to use and it's fun and you can run it on your phone, you can run it on your Raspberry Pi, you can, yeah, run it in the cloud. So, yeah, my verdict's not out. Thanks Alex, appreciate it. Thank you.